0: All right, friends, you're going to receive the offering and you can drop those cards in. While they receive it, go ahead and pull out your Bibles while they receive the offering. Pull out your Bibles. Um, We are going to be in the Gospel of Luke this morning. We're going to be in Luke chapter 6 is where we're going to be. Luke 6. If you didn't bring a Bible, if you didn't bring a Bible, there is actually a Bible underneath the seat that you were sitting in. You're going to want that. You're going to want a Bible. So go ahead and pull that out or use your phone or whatever you use to get into the Word. Get that out. Luke 6. If you're using that white Bible, it's on page 502. hundred two. We're actually The text we're going to be in is actually on page 503, but Luke 6 starts on page 502. 502 is where we're going to be this morning. We're going to be, we've been walking through the gospel of Luke, not not verse by verse, but kind of chunk by chunk, um, looking at the life of Jesus. Who was he? What did he do? Um, How how did he, what did he teach us? How did he live his life? What can we learn from him? How can we become more like him? Um, How can we seek to understand his mission, his purpose, um, while he was here on earth? And so in Luke 6, Luke 6, we see this, this famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. Someday we're going to come back. Um, Matthew does a kind of a full-on intensive Sermon on the Mount. Luke kind of gives you like the, the cliff notes of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, someday we're going to come back. We're going to do a whole series on the Sermon on the Mount. It's going to be a lot of fun. This morning I want to look at something that comes at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus, both in Matthew and in Luke, um, gives a parable. He tells a story. He kind of gives an example um, through a story. It's a, it's a famous story. If you grew up going to church, you, you've heard this story before. Um, maybe for some of you, this might be the first time you ever hear this story. It's it's, it's a great story, and it begins this way: Luke six, verse forty six is where we're going to be. Luke six, verse forty six. Jesus says this. He says, "Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house." who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream broke against the house, and it could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was Great. The ruin of that house was great. All right? So here's the story. The story is the story of two men. Both have built a house. Um, both these streams come against it. One of them, the house stands. It stands, it stands uh, strong and stout against the stream. The other one gets destroyed. But before, before Jesus launches into the story, okay, he asks a question. And before he asks the question, remember, he preaches the greatest sermon ever preached. He preaches the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus reveals these teachings. He says, "Men, this is what it looks like to come after me. This is what it looks like to follow after me. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn, right? Um, This is what it looks like to come after me. Woe to the rich. Woe to those who think they have everything under control, right? This is what it looks like to follow after me. Love your neighbor. Pray for your enemy, right? He teaches the Sermon on the Mount. And then he asks this question. Verse 46. We just read it. I'm going to read it again. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I tell you? Right? There's a lot of titles that people hold that in some way, shape, or form demand demand an air of respect. That demand a little bit more attention. Maybe a little, a little bit more um, honor or reverence, right? Maybe the title of uh, officer or, or general. Um, maybe the title of um, CEO or executive officer, right? Maybe the title of um, representative or senator. Maybe the title, I don't know, maybe the title of pastor. I'm just saying, right? There's a little bit of... That used to mean something, um, right? There's titles that we've worked to, to earn, right? Maybe the title of, of doctor, right? When the doctor comes in the room, he's going to tell you what's wrong with you. Like he is the guy you want to listen to, right? Um, I'm always fascinated when people like, if there's like a medical thing, like people like have like read like something online and like they know everything there is to know. No, like, no, no, the doctor's the guy that you listen to, all right? Uh, right? There, there's certain titles that when the person walks into the room, right, they're the person who, who you turn your attention towards, Maybe the room gets a little bit more quiet. What is this person? What is he or she going to say? What are they going to tell us? What what word are they going to give us? Where are they going to call us to go? What are they going to tell us to do, right? Um, There's titles that demand a little bit of authority and respect. Jesus has a title. He says, my title is Lord. Lord. Often we use the language that Jesus, Jesus is the Lord of my life life right I made Jesus the Lord of my life which is always a funny saying right I made Jesus the Lord of my life no you didn't he already was man Right? Jesus is already, he's the Lord of everyone's life, whether you realize that or not, right? You just accepted the fact that he's the Lord of your life and and got in line with that, right? Jesus is the Lord of our lives. And and if Jesus is the Lord of your life, then everything in life is submitted to him. All power and authority is given to him. In my life, it's given to him, right? This is the reality, right? If, If then is the Lord of my life, right, Praise the Lord, he's not. Um, if Vin's the Lord of my life, right, um, then, then everything that Vin commands of me, I follow, I obey. He's the Lord over all of my life, my career, my family, my job, everything that revolves around my life, um, the way my, my job here, he, he lords over every ounce of that. And so I don't move until he says, go. And when he says stop, I stop. If he says, go here, I go there. If he says, go there, I go here, right? Again, praise the Lord, man. Ben's not the Lord of my life, all right? Right? But here's the deal. Jesus is not just the Lord of my life. He's not just the Lord of your life. He's the Lord of all. He's the King of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. Colossians 1, 15, 16 tells it to us this way. It says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things, all things were created in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things, all things were created through him and for him. Now, some of you in the room, you just got to kind of stop and wrap your mind around that. This morning, there there is nothing in the universe that He did not make, fashion, build, create. In nothing in the universe that he does not own. It exists, not just because he made it, it exists to bring him glory. Whether you realize that he's the Lord of your life or not, you will one day, shape or form, you will bring him glory, right? You are in the midst. Right now, everything exists for him. There is not one thing in the entire universe that he does not put his finger on and say, that is mine, that belongs to me. Now, I know you think that there's things that belong to you, but they don't. He's the Lord of all. Your family, your career, your marriage, your children, right? When Abraham offers up his son Isaac on the altar to be sacrificed, Abraham has a right view of who God is, Lord of all. Lord of my boy. Lord of my actions. Lord of all. And if where you call me, I will go. I will be faithful in pursuing that. He is the Lord of all things. I know you think you own things. We all think that we own things. But you own nothing before Him. Nothing. You have, you have right over nothing. He's the Lord of all things. And when we, when we, when you and I, when when we... um. Live our lives in such a way when we say He is the Lord of all, but do not do what He does. Do not do what He tells us to do. Do not, not live in the way that He tells us to live. We contradict that statement and it reveals to us a lack of understanding, a lack of belief of what He is actually Lord over. We do not believe, we do not understand that He is, he is the God. He is the God of all things. He is the giver of all joy and all delight and all satisfaction. He's the giver of all security and strength. He is the source of all of those things. And yet, why do you not do what I tell you to do, Jesus says. John Piper, a well-known pastor and theologian in Minneapolis, put it this way. He says this. He says, I am astonished at people who say they believe in God and live as if happiness could be found by giving God Almighty 2% of their attention. Not only are we astonished by it, but it's everywhere, man. It's everywhere. It's everywhere where we say, I man, God, God, is, God is Lord of all. He's the Lord of my life. And so I show up on Sunday. I go to, I go to a small group and that's it. I give them 2%. I give him a few hours a week. I, that, that's, that's it. He is, he's the producer of all joy and all gladness. and all. He, he is God almighty over all things. And I give him my time, my energy, my affection when it's convenient for me. Jesus says, man, why, why do you do that? Why do you do that? And then he says this. He says, I'm going to show you how this goes. I'm going to show you what it looks like when you you live your life under the reality that I am Lord of all. I'm going to show you what it looks like when you don't. I'm going to show you if you keep on living the way that you're living, I'm going to show you what that actually looks like, how that's going to end for you. It's not going to end well. Here's what he says. Verse 47. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to show you what a faithful follower of Jesus looks like. Verse 48, he is like a man building a house, dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Verse 49, here's the other person. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built his house on the ground. Without a foundation, when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. All right, here's a story. You got two men, two men, and they, they both have some things in common. Both of them have built a house. They've completed it. The house is constructed. It's, constructed, it's there. Um, it's, it's finished. They, they've built... Homes, they've built houses. Both men, the stream rises and the, the levee breaks, and the stream breaks against their house. Both men, both men experience um, this thing that threatens to destroy their homes. And this is the reality for all of us. Every single human being on planet Earth, you, me, every, all of your friends, your family, your neighbors, your coworkers, every single one of us, these two things are true. We've all constructed, we've all built our homes. Not a physical home. You've built your life. You've established who you are. You have created and you have built it, built your life. It's the moment you. Left your parents' house, you began building. Maybe you built education. Maybe you built career. Maybe you built um, friendships and relationships. Maybe you built identity. Maybe you um, built memories together. Maybe you built um, a marriage. Maybe you uh, plan to build a, a retirement someday. You you maybe you planned on having children, and you you're teaching them how to build. Maybe you've created and shaped and molded an identity that calls you who you are, right? Maybe your identity is, man, I'm just going to be single for the rest of my life because because that's that's just who I am—that's who God has called me to be. i am going to That's my identity. I'm—I'm I'm gonna build that out. Maybe your identity is um, to be uh, somebody who is gonna—I might gonna have ten kids, right? And you're just—you're just crazy like that, right? Um, you—you've built you—you've built you on that. You've built your house on something, right? This is what you—you've you've constructed it. It's finished. It's who you are. You stand here today, and you are someone. There are things in your life that identify you. Do you would say, man, this is who I am? I'm a dad, I'm a mom, I'm a pastor, I'm a teacher, I, I'm, a, I'm a doctor, I'm a, I'm a lawyer, I'm a construction worker, I'm a whatever. There's things that you've built, that you've fashioned, that you've created. It's true of every single one of us. The second truth is also true. Streams of life are coming. Maybe you were here this morning because it just, it just rocked your house. Something has come, the stream of, of, a, of, a, of a medical scare, the stream of uh, a financial burden, the stream of, uh, of a broken career, broken relationships, broken marriage, the stream of doubt, the stream of um, questioning, the stream of failure, the stream of past hurts, the stream of past longings, the stream of future hopes and dreams that, that have suddenly, that suddenly don't seem like they're going to work out anymore, ha- have crashed against that house. And that's why you're, here This one, it doesn't. Every single one of us, you have either experienced it, you just came out of it, you, you just survived it, you're in it right now, right? The flood is breaking against the house, or it's, it's coming. That's the human condition. That is all people. That's not just you. That's me. That's, that's all people. That is all people on planet Earth, we have built this thing that we cherish and we love. This identity, who we are, these things in our lives that we that we just that we cling to and we love. They are our home. They are this thing. And, and there is something coming. It's something here. Something that we just came out of that threatens to destroy those things. You cannot change either one of those. Okay, you track and you cannot change either one of those. That's just that's just the human condition question is, what have you built that house on? What you built it on changes the outcome. That's the difference between the two. The difference between the two men is what they've built their homes on. The one person, right, if you believe, if you believe that Jesus is the Lord of all things, He is the controller, the sustainer, the maker of all things, all things exist for His glory, if you actually believe that, you build your house as close to that rock as you can possibly get. If you believe that, you build your life as close to the person of Jesus Christ as you can possibly get. The thing that differentiates um, the two men is that one does the work of digging. He digs, man. He digs. The the one who digs, he does the hard work of drawing near. He doesn't do the hard work of trying to impress his friends with all of his religious deeds. Right? Digging is not checking up the box and saying, I went to church. I joined a small group, I volunteer, I give money, I do these things. Look at me, look at how awesome I am, right? I drive a nice car, I have have nice clothes, I do all these things. That's not what digging is. The thing that differentiates the two is that one says, man, I want to be as near to the rock as I possibly can. And so therefore I dig. I dig into the Word to know Him. I dig into prayer to, 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 to call upon Him into my life, to, to walk with Him in the Spirit. I dig. I dig in repentance. I dig in confession, as we sung, sang earlier. I, I, I dig to know trust. I want to be as close to that rock, that sweet rock that I can possibly be. I want to build everything that I am on that rock. Not. I don't want to build anything over there. I want to build everything right here. If we believe that He is the Lord of all, the maker and sustainer of all things, then I want to build every part of my life on that rock. I don't want to build, okay, I'm going to build my kind of my, my church life here, and I'm going to build everything else over here. No, no, no. If we actually believe that He's the Lord of all, we build everything on the rock We want to know the rock, and when the streams come and they begin to break against everything that you've built, the outcome is different. When you know the rock, when you've dug into the Word and you know the Word, it changes the way things affect you. When the streams of sorrow and destruction come, we cry, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. When mistakes from my past swell the river, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 reminds me that therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When the world around us begins to weigh on our souls and we look at the world around us and it, stretches, it stresses us out and it concerns us and we wonder, man, how is this going to work out? How is this going to end? Philippians three twenty reminds us that our citizenship is in heaven. For which we also eagerly await the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. When we are lost and confused, and we we wonder, man, we're coming out of a broken relationship, and we just don't know how it's going to end. We don't know how it's going to work out. Psalm, the psalmist reminds us: Psalm sixteen, eleven. You make known to me the path of my life in your presence, on the rock. There is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. You want a flourishing relationship with Jesus? Big. The psalmist knows. The psalmist understands. And maybe, maybe more than anybody, the psalmist has revealed what this actually looks like. Again and again and again, the waves crash against his life. The psalmist cries out, though the mountains... Tremble, though, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea whose waters rage and foam, I will not fear. My God is with me. He knows where He's built, He knows where He stands. He's built everything on the rock. There is nothing to fear, but He knows the streams are coming. He knows that, this, that, there's something that, coming, that there's something coming that's going to threaten what he has built, but he doesn't fear it because he's built everything on the rock. He knows, he delights, and he finds joy and contentment and satisfaction, all security in the rock of Christ. Some of you are here this morning, and you've built your house on the ground, as Matthew says, the sand. And the streams have come, and this destruction was great, and it was quick. It's washed you up here. You've you've landed here. You say, "I mean, there's got to be a better way to do this. There's got to be a better way to to find this." Let me, friends, I'm telling you, Jesus is the only way. We must begin to dig. We must begin to draw near. We must begin to know the rock. For others of us, it's actually different. I, I think that Jesus' analogy of the rock and the sand or the ground is good, but I actually think that there's, for, for some of us, there's something actually even a little bit better. I, I just realized I said that I have a better, better analogy than Jesus. Um, don't, don't take that the wrong way. Um, for my friends, for my neighbors here in Utah, in our culture, in our culture, it's not like we build our house on sand, right? We we know sand. Sand doesn't sand never feels good. It never feels good. Right? We're always questioning, is this going to actually going to hold? Build a house on a career. Is that really going to hold? Build a house on, on a bank account. Is, is it really going to hold? What happens with, We we know sand. It never it never quite feels right. But for some of us, we've built our house on something that feels stout. It feels strong. It's like building a house on ice. Like Thick, gnarly ice. Like, and it's, it's strong, man. Some of us in the room, we, we were born on ice. Right? Our dad built a house on ice. Our granddad built a house on ice. Our great granddad built a house on ice. We were born on the ice. This is all we've ever known. And it's strong and it's stout. Josh, you don't have to build, worry about building a house. You can build a skyscraper on this ice. It is, it's stout. It'll hold. It's strong, man. But then, but then, but then. The light of truth begins to shine on the ice and it changes its form. It becomes like, it becomes damp and wet and the, the water begins to rise and the, and the structure begins to sink. And we're like, what's happening? What's going, what's going on? Why am, I, why am I in water? I thought I was on ice. And all of a sudden we turn our attention away from the truth and we focus on, on this religion, this, these check marks, these boxes, these things that we have to do. We, we begin doing all the right things and it hardens right back up and everything's good. So let's not focus on the truth. Let's not look at that. Let's just just do the right thing, man. And everything's good. It's just solid as, 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 as ice. Friends, here's the deal. One day, one day, Christ is coming back. And every knee will bow and every time confess and you will realize in that moment that it was never a rock the rock has returned it was ice all along and now that ice is gone it's obliterated and all that's left is drowning you, you see he, some of you are totally lost on this I, I know some of you though some of you have lived this this is your life religion is not the rock I'm trying to tell you, so I'm trying to get you to see. Utah is the most religious state in the entire United States of America. By far, actually. Religion is not sound. What Christ is calling us to is not not a list of do's and don'ts. He's calling us to a faith in Him. The way that Matthew writes it, in Matthew 7, the same story. Matthew writes it this way. In Matthew 7, 21 through 23, he says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Cast out demons in your name. And do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Friends, the storm is coming. The the, the waters are swelling. They are going to crash against your house. They just are. You can't change that. Sorry. can't change it religion says, man, fear the storm and do all the right things. Give more time. Give more money. Give more of yourself, right? Do more stuff. Show up more often, right? That's going to solve it. And it fools us into believing that we're standing on the rock. But it's not a rock. It's ice. And it will not hold on that day. We'll say, no, 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 look, I built my house on the rock. And he's going to say, no, you built your house on nothing. I don't know you. What Jesus is calling us to is he says, the storm is coming. Come to me. Know me. This is not about religion. It's about a relationship with the God of all things. If you believe that he is the God Almighty, if you believe that he's the maker and the sustainer of all things, and if you believe that he has given himself, he's come to earth, he's put on flesh, he bled the ground red for you and for me, Men, cling to him, know him, pursue him, dig Crying out loud, dig. Open the Word. Immerse yourself in it. Pray fervently. Get to know the rock and build all that you are on that rock. Build all that you do on on that rock. All of your values on that rock. Build your family on that rock. For some of us, we desperately need To become a people who build our lives on the rock, who treasure and delight in the rock, so that our friends, our families, our neighbors who have built their homes on ice would see that there's something far more stout, far more stable, far more solid, far more delightful, far more joy-giving, far more secure than all that they could ever have and ask or imagine. Creator and sustainer of all things is here, and He wants a relationship with you. Maybe this morning is the morning that you begin that relationship. Maybe this morning is the morning um, that you kind of take that first step. If you if you want to do that, if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, man, come come no, come on, come down front after this, man. I'd love to talk to you about that. Maybe today is the day that you kind of, re, kind of reinvest in knowing Christ. You've been going through the motions and it's all become this thing, this religion. You, you come to church, you, you do these things that you think are the right things, but you don't know the rock. And maybe this morning, maybe maybe even, maybe even if I can say hopefully this morning, you're, you're a little scared. Like, man, I have these things that I value and I care about, but I don't, I don't know Jesus. It's all for nothing. All the building is for nothing if it's not built on the rock, friends. Let us draw near to him. Let us find our delight in him. Let us find our hope in him. Let us find our security and our identity all in Christ. Let me pray for us. Jesus, this morning, I come before you and I beg you, I beg you reveal yourself more fully, more deeply to the men and women of flourishing grace, the men and women in this room, the men and women who couldn't make it this morning. They would see. They would see clearly. But there is only one sure and steadfast hope. There's only one rock. And that we would move towards you. We would drive towards you. We would give everything that we are to know you. Not to do more. Not to give more. Not to become more. Not to earn some title or some religious deed. To know Christ. To be known by Christ. To have a flourishing relationship with you. Might that begin for some of us this morning? Might that be renewed for some of us this morning? Give us more of yourself pray these things in your sweet name. In the name of Jesus, amen.